and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Prisoners, directed by Denis Villeneuve, starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, my name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? You know, wait, before you answer that, I know, I just cut you off. I was, I was, so I looked up how to say Denis Villeneuve, because I just didn't want to, I knew how to say it, you know, obviously we've been saying it, but I didn't want to say it wrong. And then it reminded me that Jake Gyllenhaal, is totally not the way to pronounce that name. <laughs> I, he said it on Conan that it was like Gillen Hooley or what? something, and like, yeah, <laughs> it's not possible. No, I know, yeah, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna grant him that. He so. had his chance, you know. Like that's, I mean, like, why are you gonna bring it up now? You've already had like your awesome roles as an actor, right? I mean, not to say that know, he won't have some great one, but like. Come on, man. You've had enough interviews. Nobody's going to change that. Nobody's going to say Gyllenhaal. That sounds ridiculous. I wish that, that Jake Gyllenhaal had like a moment like in his earlier acting career where he was just adamantly correcting people just aggressively in every interview. <laughs> actually, actually, he's pronounced uh, Gyllenhaal or I mean, whatever you said, Jilly Golly Woo or whatever. Um, <laughs> I bet that got beat out of him as a kid. That's true. People were like, Gyllenhaal, what are you talking about? <laughs> it makes him sound less white, you know? I mean, it seems very... Uh, I guess. that's No, that sounds pretty Nordic yeah. or, or, you know, something like that. I feel like he could that's, have... That's very white. Though his correct pronunciation probably has some Italian roots and, or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't think so. But <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, Gyllenhaal. I think this is a great uh, thing to talk about, Cameron. I'm doing well. I'm over-caffeinated. I'm um, recording from someone's house that Jules is... is uh, <laughs> is is house sitting for um so yeah it's weird because i'm just in the guest room this house has a lot of hardwood floors um and it's a very big house so to find a a quiet corner is possible it's just it's just strange i feel like my setup is very different i'm used to seeing the guitars behind me if you're watching this on youtube and whatnot and hopefully the the audio isn't like super echoey but i'm good i'm oh well i don't i don't hear it at all because you know i i think think isolation is pretty good on on these mics. oh yes 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 these mi- we, we can go on and on about the mics again this week no but i've uh they have like this this mini fridge upstairs it's a it's a pretty nice house um but they have like these espresso things i'm drinking something that is like the most i don't know it looks like uh, the biggest whole foods like little can of coffee here <laughs> and it says it has like protein zero sugar like MC, MCT oil. I don't even know what that is. And then like in huge letters, it says 180 milligrams of caffeine. So I feel like I'm about to crack Dang. out on this episode. Like Dang, that's I'm going to be talking like, oh, and it's keto. We can't forget keto, right? You know? So oh. um, yeah, overall, I'm, do- I'm doing I'm doing good, Cameron. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be hanging and recording and talking about this movie. I'm excited to talk about Villeneuve. Did I get that close enough? His last name? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, because I'm actually a very big fan of his his films. Um, as I'm finding out, I didn't know who he was before seeing a lot of his movies. So, um, I think our conversation about prisoners is going to be good. I actually have like some critiques or ideas that I have around Villeneuve as like a casual, um, and I think maybe probably mm. most fans and appreciators of his movies like just. I feel like it's very easy to kind of excuse some of these ideas, but I guess I wanted to start as early as possible this episode saying that like, I really enjoy a lot of his movies before we dive into like little minute complaints. Cause the, obviously he's an excellent, an excellent director, Cameron. 
Um, yeah, I well, I would say on top of that, I'm I've been a big fan of his for a long time since I've seen sort of both Prisoners and Sicario. Basically, um, I see it, I saw them kind of near when they came out, but um, yeah, I mean he's he's proven time and time again that he he has you know basically those he made five movies in five years that are all basically perfect in my mind, um, and so yeah, there's. There's um, th- there's very few directors who can do that, and probably I don't know if any have since basically done yeah. that in such a short short period of time. Um, and now obviously he's slowing down because he's making bigger movies, ones that are a little more involved. Um, but still, I mean, he's still cranking cranking them out. Like you know, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I I um. Kind of just to jump into what I've been watching, I actually had a really great experience with Juzo yesterday, where we saw um, we saw Apocalypse Now, the final cut. Um, it was at um, I forget what it's called, but it's you know it's a it's a film museum in in uh, in Berkeley, and um, Walter Murch who who edited the movie partially, um, and Pat Jackson who actually teaches at the school that I graduated from and. Um, was the sound designer, one of the sound designers on Apocalypse Now. They had kind of a sit down and a conversation um, about the movie, about sort of its legacy. It was very interesting, um, gave me a lot of thoughts. And um, yeah, it was it, it was it was a really um, invigorating conversation mm. in a lot of ways. It, it kind of, um, you know, was was something that I I really enjoyed hearing behind the scenes of sort of you know, what it was, was like in their experience um, and kind of it reminded me and and I want to bring this up with the conversation. So don't let me forget, but it reminded me a bit of, uh, you know, some of the things in prisoners um, are very deliberate uh, in terms of their, you know, their symbolic meaning. Um, but that doesn't usually happen a lot in in the process of filmmaking. Um, and in fact, most of the time when that happens, it's it's very accidental. And that was something that they mentioned last night was saying like, you know, lots of things that people pick up on now and people are, um, you know, maybe read into now. We had no, you know, we did. We just, you know, we just put something in because it was it was there, you know, so <laughs> like it wasn't wasn't intentional on, on our part. Um, which, which is kind of interesting to see behind the curtain that way. So, um, great conversation. Um, have you been watching anything? No, I, I watched some weird rom-com movie with Juliana that was quite frankly, just terrible. Um, I don't even remember what it's called, but it had, um, what the Jim from the office. What's that guy's name in it? John, John, yeah, Krasinski. John Krasinski was in it acting very like he didn't want to be there, but it was also the way his character was written <laughs> as well. So it was kind sure. of ironic at the same time. Um, I don't know. We like, sometimes when you watch a terrible movie, you just kind of make up a bit with it. And <laughs> uh, I don't know why, like it was so poorly put together that I just, when we started watching it together, I was like, Hey Jules, this is like, I'm sure that this is a Christian movie, right? 
without like basically within the first five seconds. That's what I said. Um, and <laughs> so like when the first cuss word dropped, right, I was like, oh, it's just for realism, you know, like it's 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 definitely a Christian <laughs> movie. Right. And so there's all these different scenes of them like partying and getting drunk at the beach and whatnot. And I was like, oh, I think it's just for realism. I'm just waiting for, you know, the Christian messaging to come through in this one. I just some Christian movies, man, like the Hallmark stuff. Oh, I yeah. just it's so yeah. It just drags on forever. And I guess like you need a little cheesy sometimes. I think that's really what it is, is like some people want that sort of like uplifting cheesiness. I just, who, <laughs> who are these people? I don't know, my parents. Like, I, you yeah, know? I guess so. I guess so. Probably. Yeah. My, my, my mom. Or yeah. Something. There's definitely, yeah, sure. there's definitely people out there. And I, I like, I kind of, I kind of respect a little bit of it. I don't think that it's like, it doesn't make you. Um, as much of like a film critic, just being like a casual, I think, you know, recently my parents, um, have been listening to some of my recommendations, which has been super interesting to hear their takes on some of the movies. So I really liked first man, which we watched last week and I recommended it to my dad who loves sci-fi movies. And my parents both kind of walked away with it being like, that was a very sad movie. Like they were, they were, they were like, that was like (laughs) extremely depressing, And I was like, you know, oppositely, like I felt very moved by the film. I thought it was like kind of emotional and relatable, surprisingly. Um, And my dad was like, well, they didn't even show like the flag being planted on the moon. And like he picked that up. Right. And I was like, I guess like as a general audience, right, like there's a there's some people that kind of just want to experience like the biopic, you know, staples. But that was like my favorite thing about that movie is that there was none of that boring biopic stuff that you know already happened. Like it's basically not like yeah. Well, that that was a that was the the crux of the controversy that we were kind of talking about last right. week. Um, but but my my argument to that, and it's 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 funny that he brought it up. I wonder if it was like he read something about that, you know, when it came out, and and it just kind of like stuck in his. I mind. don't know. Um, um, I, uh, the, my thing about that is it's totally a wrong part. Um, it, it, me and Juza were talking about this. It's, t- it would totally be a wrong moment for, for that to happen in terms of the, of the actual character that we're, that we're viewing and his character arc, right? There, there is something, um, where it would feel really, it would feel off in the movie if there was this sort of like deep triumphant, um, you know, resolution because, uh, really, we're watching a character who's who's um, trying to to you know m- make amends in his past and trying to to almost move on in some ways uh, of you know what he's um, you know the almost the hand he's been given in life and and it's there is something very beautiful and and touching about that instead of the triumphant you know moment that you might expect in a movie like that. Um, you know, you get this very somber and very quiet moment of him, um, you know, paying respect to his daughter, which is, is just like, it's beautiful. There's, you know, there's nothing, nothing else that you can say about it other than, than it's, it's really, it's very moving and very touching. Um, and so, you know, it, it really, I don't know. I, I think it would be a bad thing if it actually played a part in the movie. I guess it was kind Um, of, I was just kind of fascinated by their their desire to see a much more hopeful outlook. But I think that first man is hopeful. It's just subtle. 
in the way that oh, yeah, it presents presents that hope instead of a, a cheesy manner. The other thing that they said about the film is that they were like, oh, we just don't think that that's how um, Armstrong was. You know, I thought like my dad was like, I just don't. I, he was like, I didn't understand the casting for, you know, Ryan Gosling. He was like, he was very boring, just staring off into the distance and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this is just, it's just interesting because it's almost like I walked in with a bias to sort of expect that kind of acting, you know? And I also like had a back and forth with my dad saying like, you know, I don't know if it makes sense to have a man in the sixties being all animated like a Marvel character. I mean, like so much of that movie and the trauma and the quietness and the, the masculine strength of Ryan Gosling's character in that film, like it's so grounded in, in reality. And the, it was surprising. Cause like for me, like my dad has always been a very quiet, I'm not going to talk about my feelings kind of guy, you know? So it was interesting to see him be like, I just didn't really think that was a good casting. And I was like, I felt like I was watching a person that could very much be like my dad, you know, going through a hard time. And to be fair, the kids have have said that that was like it was basically the best portrayal of of Armstrong, and you know they've ever seen. Yeah, so, so. I mean, like that's what I I, I wish that I could have, um, you know, knew. Like I didn't know how accurate the movie was, or and which we did talk about last week. So. Yeah, you know, which it doesn't matter either. It doesn't. I don't care about that. So personally, so I, I don't, I don't ever bring that up in terms of of accuracy. I don't, I don't think that should play in. There's a couple exceptions to that where I think, you know, there's there's some some moments, some things that um are are like, um I don't know. I don't want to say it's it's hard to it's hard to judge. I almost feel like there are some times where it's like it's like. Yeah, they're, they're actually being like willfully misleading or willfully dishonest. Right. Um, I, but generally, I I find there to be, um, um, you know, you get uh, you you get immunity from me for for not doing things straight to the letter. I I just don't I don't care about that. So. Yeah, yeah. I think like the biopic thing that is something that some people think about, like my parents. And the other movie that I had that I had a conversation with my parents about was. Um, what was it? Children of Men. I I thought I recommended mm. that film to my dad and he wasn't too big on it either. You know, he was kind of like, well, you know, it was kind of dark. And so I've just been thinking a lot about like this kind of cheesy mindset mixed with like, you know, a movie that's kind of like, I guess, much more serious and less um, uplifting at the end. Right. And and yeah. so I think like the. Oh, that movie that to be fair, the. Children of Men has like one of the most uplifting endings in a movie ever. I agree. (laughs) I agree. So they were just kind of confused about how to feel about it. Because I was like, well, the ending is kind of uplifting, right? And they were like, yeah. You know, like kind of like confused, right? (laughs) Like they hadn't thought. Well, well, they were like, it is, but it's also still like a very brutal, intense movie, right? It is. Um, yeah, and, that's, that's there's no. And doubt so I that. think they were just kind of confused on how to feel about about the movie. And so I think like I've just this idea, right? This is kind of how I wanted to open the podcast, as I, I talked about, like with what I've been watching. You know, this cheesy movie on top of Prisoners, and you know, we had Korean Cinema Month recently, and then talking to my parents about the conclusions of some recent films that we watched. Right, and this idea of conclusion. 
and the way that a movie kind of settles on you is mm. i think one mm. of the most important things to talk about when talking about villeneuve and the way that his movie is kind of end on a moment so i don't want to like completely like dive into that yet but i just want you to know where we're going with that because we got to get through a hot take Oof. and a write-in question cameron hot take of course based on prisoners um what is the absolute worst reptile if you've watched prisoners you know why i'm talking about reptiles all right uh, cameron what's your hot take on this well here's the thing i actually think reptiles are very cool oh i think um i think I think amphibians are actually really gross and worse. Um, but um, and sometimes even small mammals are t are disgusting, <laughs> even more than than reptiles. I would say. In fact, I I like it when reptiles are around because they they eat all the small mammals. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so so for me, I I think snakes are cool. I have always thought snakes were cool. Um, I'm, I haven't really been afraid of them um, my whole life. Um, the one thing I will say is. If you, you know Komodo dragons, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Komodo dragons are maybe one of the most fascinating and disturbing animals <laughs> ever because they have, they basically have poison like acid in their, in their mouths. Ugh. And it's like their digestive fluid basically, mm. um, in, in their, in their mouths. And so when they eat, they eat small chunks and then they, they spit it out and the digestive acid, like, digests it outside of the <laughs> of their mouth and then they eat it again oh, that's and so it's like wrong. this this continuous continuous like disgusting like throw up and eat the throw oh, up um because they can't really chew you know it's, you know so like that that was always the one thing um that i thought was was really disturbing about komodo dragons um you know my class in elementary school we had a, a bearded dragon that was pretty cool mm. um you know, the one thing about reptiles that's kind of, you know, first of all, I would never own a snake. I'll just put that out there. Oh. Owning a snake is like owning something that like wants to get lost. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> wants oh my wants to get lost and then pop up in the worst time. So like I would never own a snake. Um, but I will, you know, I, I do think I do think they're pretty cool. They're they're neat animals. They They have. They've evolved in such a way that has, like, you know, makes them like very, I don't know, very interesting and unique to me. They lay eggs and then like they have, they like, there's different kinds where like they swallow things whole or they like, you know, squeeze them or they like are, are you know, venomous. I, I just think they're, they're awesome. So I, I, I just, uh, this movie triggered me. So, I mean, you know, Cameron, <laughs> I texted you. I absolutely hate snakes like i just don't i i actually didn't know that i didn't know that you have a deep hatred i of have snakes. a deep hatred of snakes this is the thing about okay. it like most creatures that can hiss creature all right most creatures that can hiss i'm usually like kind of at odds with like when a cat hisses at me i almost have a reflex to like send that cat across the room you know because sure, like yeah, yeah i just i'm not about that you know i it's yeah. very scary recently juliana's cat hissed at me and i was very taken back i was like you know joey i thought you loved me um now all of us <laughs> he never hisses at anyone too i was really annoying him so I, I guess it was it made sense there but there's something about a snake that is like an airplane to me all right how is a metal <laughs> snakes on a plane? <laughs> no, no, no. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Airplanes, I know scientifically they make sense, but that is a chunk of metal just in the sky. Like that makes no sense yeah. to me, you know? Sure, the same yeah. way, 
a snake has no limbs and it moves on the ground. I ain't about that. Yeah. You know, that's just terrible. Like yeah. sometimes it moves in trees. You know, the reason why, um, you know, so it, I, I don't, I don't know the full story here, but, um, you know, when we were evolving from monkeys, <laughs> one of our main predators was, uh, were, were, were snakes in trees. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we have such strong reflexes against snake-like objects. I'm so, I don't um, know what you're talking about, but all I want to say is I'm not against animal <laughs> cruelty, but I am all for snake cruelty, like murder them all, you know, I just anything that's, oh, there, there are times you got to kill snakes. You know, I, I don't, you know, there's that's true, anything but. that's like very slithery is pretty terrifying i would even say like a ocean snakes the, or, or river snakes anything in the water like serpents you know e- i eels. agree with that, that is like, i think eels are terrifying yeah, yeah. no 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 100%. that is that is that's um, some scary stuff but eels aren't snakes eels are fish. eels are snakes they're <laughs> snake fish dude i think fish are scarier than reptiles most of the time i would agree i mean i don't like i mean anything in the ocean is pretty terrifying to me yeah, but i would I, say I, that I, I a agree. snake reminds me of a land fish so i'm not about that you know <laughs> uh i just i'm this movie had snakes and if you have snake warning you know i just wanted to get that out of the way snake warning and i guess i should also pre like preface you know we haven't really got to talking about this movie um I'm very, I'm clearly eager to talk about it because I'm kind of jumping into it. I just have to say that this movie, the movie we're going to talk about, is is not just a snake warning, but like an absolutely mature warning. Like this movie is very oh, one thousand thousand percent. Yes, <laughs> this movie yes, is yes. very intense and very um, dark. Is probably the best way of putting it. So you know, it, it not only does it up the level with being dark and mature, but it has snakes. So it's like double, you know, <laughs> double indemnity or whatever, right? Whatever that film we watched is. So it, it's true. And, you know, one of the things was obviously it's it's taking on some some major themes in terms of um, like what it's actually dealing with. Um, and it, it was one of these movies that, um, you know, because of certain topics that it talks about, it was, you know, originally giving given an NC-17 rating and had to kind of calm some things down mm. a little bit. Um, and it's a very rare case where, you know, it's the violence that's something that, you know, that, that gives it that rating. Yeah. Um, so, you know, j- definitely be warned on that. And and I would say, you know, um, in actual violence terms, you don't really see a ton. Um, uh, but it. It it deals with so with very very disturbing topics and you know so I I would say you know caution just be careful well, you know if if going into this movie you're like eh, I kind of don't really want to <laughs> I I'm, I don't want to be um, depressed all day um, you know maybe maybe just wait for or it, if um, you so. know if you're trying to watch a movie with your girlfriend which you know kind of mm, leads us into which is the question yeah. go ahead Garen. Yeah, um, JD pulls and asked, um, uh, "What's a good movie to watch with your girlfriend?" Um, I I have a weird answer because there's well, I have many weird answers because I watch a lot with my girlfriend. I watch this movie with my girlfriend. So, I'm gonna say uh, yeah. not Prisoners, but maybe Prisoners. She loved this movie, so you know it's it's it depends on your girlfriend. That's my answer. <laughs> I feel like this movie is probably a hit or miss. If you're going to do like a yeah. girlfriend movie, because I, I think if you're into like sort of the the true crime, like, you know, dark serial killer thriller stuff like this movie is that but it ups the ante with like 
yeah you know children <laughs> which is terrifying you know like that it just makes it way way more intense um and so like i i could see my girlfriend liking this film until she realized like that it is focusing on like children in some sort of like ch- crime against children right and yeah, that's where yeah, it, it's really gut twisting right um it is yeah my answer for this question hmm a movie to watch with your girlfriend man i i had a great time watching baby driver with jules i know that's a very weird movie choice but there's something very fu- it's like fun for everyone you know there's the romance there's the action there's the comedy there's like i don't know i feel like that movie's got like a lot of good energy and i don't my my mind just jumped to edgar wright because i think there's something about edgar wright movies that are very fun i guess maybe if you're a quirkier couple you might lean towards scott pilgrim more um that's probably a a better choice but i'd say for just like a hollywood blockbuster choice um you can't go wrong with that i'm i'm actually more curious cameron if you have a recommendation for a rom-com because the one the rom-com that came to my mind in terms of like something that kind of drew me in as a male watcher which juliana showed me is this movie called it's about time i think um i don't know if this movie is critically famous but it sure does have like a lot of heart it's like this romantic comedy about this i think he's like a british ginger guy like ed sharon knockoff who really like loves this girl and they like go to this family house and like he basically discovers he has the ability to go back in time whenever he wants so it's like the movie is like the concept is basically like he's going to try to nail every line to make this girl fall in love with him um and it's really fun concept you know like he says something wrong in the kitchen uh within like five minutes and then he's like oh i'm just gonna go back in the closet and restart this scene you know and so like i just think as far as like i guess if you're going for a romantic movie it's about time i think that's it's a kind of an underground choice like I was surprised by it as a dude um, watching it. Well, it kind of kind of reminded me. I mean, I don't I don't know this movie, but your description kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Palm Springs. What, yes, what, that, I think that that's movie? a great choice. Um, yeah, I, I like that movie a lot. Um, and then Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, um, I would say, you know, if you kind of want a more serious uh, romantic movie, that's not like a serious romantic movie. That's kind of, you know interesting and higher concept i guess um i love eternal sunshine of a spotless mind Mm. i think it's like uh, maybe you know one of the most brilliant movies of of the you know the past 20 years or whatever um so i think that's such a good it's everybody will love it first of all and um i think i think i would say actually it's a good movie to show to a well, maybe not. Maybe that's not true. Um, I was gonna say to like a newer girlfriend or someone you're just dating. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but um, <laughs> it's one that I think is is really beautifully made and well done, and it has it 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 has that sense of being like um, being romantic without being cheesy or being um, you know uh, dumb or bad. I I, I honestly really uh, romantic comedies is like a complete blind spot for me personally we should so. do a month can i feel like maybe february coming up i think you know yeah maybe, yeah that that might be fun um yeah i'd i'd be interested because you know other than uh screwball comedies <laughs> right um romantic comedies i i have i i kind of have 
almost no experience with. So, well, I will, um, I will say, you know, just a couple other recommendations. This, this one is for, if you guys are around Cameron and I's age, we're like in, you know, I'm about to hit 25. Um, for some reason, girls around our age, they regard the twilight trilogy as like their Spider-Man trilogy. I don't know what it is, but those like, I've actually heard this from multiple guys where they're like, yeah, my girlfriend or, you know, my, my current wife, like sometimes we'll just watch twilight, just make fun of it. So if you're looking for a movie like that, I feel like if you're like, Hey, I'm down to watch twilight. I know it might, it might pain you to say that, but you don't, maybe I might be helping you out. You know, there, there might be something special about that. Right. I don't know if you can bring it up first. Cause that might just be, weird, you might be you know? surprised, you know, have you been like, have you ever seen those? Twi those are so weird. You know, like, do you want to watch the terrible, <laughs> you know, like if you're looking to like watch something, but not really watch, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So that's, that's a good, I feel like that's a, that's a good one to jump to. I thought I had another, hmm. Oh, one that Jules and I have enjoyed was if you're looking for like a horror movie that's more fun. We like I brought this up before, but that movie Happy Death Day is like really fun. Uh, I don't know what it is about these Groundhog Day like back in time repeating things, but those movies are um, usually a good time. Yeah, so true. JD, I hope that helps you on your uh, on your quest with you yeah. know, your invisible girlfriend or whatever. Um, this is uh, <laughs> this is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars away, get an exclusive episode or a commentary track each month. Also have your ability to have the questions read on the show, just like JD did, just like Tim had it last week, just like Juzo had it last week. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Rating, telling friends and family, all that stuff helps the show grow. It's about time, Cameron. Uh, that's not the movie we're talking about. It's about time to get into prisoners. Uh, that, that's the movie we are talking about prisoners. Um, so no more shilling. It's time to talk about this, this movie. I want to know, is this, uh, is this Villeneuve's first movie or what? I'm, I'm no, it's not. No. Um, yeah. So, you know, kind of, I, I, I really kind of snuck him into this month. He doesn't really fit the theme at all, but, uh, it's mainly just because I wanted to talk about him. Um, he he was someone who did um who directed a few films in Canada um in in Quebec um and you know he had a couple very low budget movies in the earlier 2000s and then he directed two french uh movies in french um uh called Polytechnique and uh Ensendies. and both of them um were very well regarded and kind of uh, that was, I think that was 2008 and 2009. Um, and so after that, that's where he kind of got his transition into um, American movies. Um, he kind of made the jump. Um, and, you know, every every movie since then he's made in, you know, in Hollywood and kind of as a um, as a, an American movie. Um, and so, oh, I think actually his first movie was, I don't, I don't know if this really counts because I think it's basically not really available anymore <laughs> um his first movie was technically in 1998 uh but um yeah so after ensemble's in 2010 uh, he made prisoners in 2013 and so after that he made um you know basically as i said five movies in five years um that I'll, i consider to be excellent um all of them until this you know this year he made Dune and, you know, we can talk about that. Um, I would say let's talk about that another time because I, uh, I do want to do a deep dive on that. I think it's a very, very good movie. Um, but 
I want to I want to go go a bit deeper into that. Um, so you know, uh, he made a movie. He made uh, two movies in 2013 called um, Enemy and Sicario. We already watched Arrival, um, Blade Runner 2049, um, and you know he started that with Prisoners. So that's quite a run, I would say uh, personally. Yeah, my first introduction to Villeneuve was Sicario off just, I think, your recommendation way before we were doing this podcast. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is I actually remember the release of Prisoners uh, and the mm. trailers surrounding it. I was a pretty big Hugh Jackman fan. It was around the time of the Wolverine coming out, which I was very excited for. I loved Hugh Jackman as um, the Wolverine character. And I went to see the Wolverine. I was like, eh, like that was just okay, you know? Um, yeah. I, I was like, he was kind of cool in The Prestige, but I have a very unpopular opinion about the prestige. I was very let down by that film. Um, boo. I know boo me, whatever. Uh, and so to see Hugh Jackman attached to this film and it looks so intense and like thrilling. What? This was 2013, right? Um, my, uh, 2011, 2011. Oh no. Yeah. 20, 2013. Yeah. I was yeah, like, just, right. I was just hopping into high school and I was like, Ooh, that looks good. I gotta go see that. But I remember just thinking yeah. like, it also looks kind of intense and I don't know anyone that would want to go see that movie with me. And so I'm, I was actually so excited to know that this movie was on the list and I had no idea that it was connected to Villeneuve. And um, my, again, I was saying Sicario was the first one I watched. I remember there was just this velocity with that movie, like so much intensity. Um, it's almost one of those films that you watch and you're like, there's a lot going on. I don't really know why I'm into it. I don't know why there are certain characters that pull like a presence with them. Uh, specifically mm -hmm. the, I forget, like the assassin guy in that movie. Um, Benicio Del Toro. Just his character. unbelievable in that. Like he just. So good. He yeah, just, he's, he's fantastic. He like captures you in a way. Like I got to be honest. I don't remember anything about Sicario <laughs> and the plot. And I, I just remember <laughs> it being like this thrill ride that. After when the credits rolled, I was like, I could finally exhale. You know, I was like, oh, right, yeah, oh my yeah, goodness, yeah, I don't even know what just what went on there, right? And so, going into this, I was prepped for that feeling. I believe that Dune does that as well. I believe that this movie does that in a way that is cranked up to eleven. It's like I just, I think that there's so much to love about the way that. Villeneuve starts with this slow weaving and then really just begins to sort of like it's like the engine slowly booting up and it just doesn't slow down till a moment where like the movie ends and you're like oh like whoa I don't even know like what to take from that and so I think I'm not foreign to this experience if you have not watched a Villeneuve or uh yeah a Villeneuve movie before um it could be shocking. And also I would say oh, if, oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you've seen, if you've seen, um, arrival also arrival is very different for him. Like, I think that that movie is very different compared to his, his other, um, movies. It's strange. Like I could definitely see like somebody, you know, stepping in with blade runner or, um, a movie like arrival and then going to see Dune and sort of being confused or just not quite, um, prepared the, like these movies are just very different like when Tim went and saw Dune one of our executive producers Tim texted me and was like man I just sat back I had no idea what was happening but I just took it all in 
And I was like, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like sometimes him as a director, he has that ability to just kind of face value something that is pretty complex. And that's, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's pretty difficult to do um, a- as a director. I will say that trying to approach his movies with like kind of just taking it in at face value I believe you'll miss out on a lot of things because he wants you to lean in. He wants you to chew on a lot of stuff there. Um, but that sort of experience of the engine booting up, you can't, it's like, it's almost like you can't breathe at a certain point. And then the movie ends and that's like its level of like the release of tension. It can leave an audience member either like, enthralled like just amped up like that's the movie you know or like just very confused and i think um i'm just speaking as like a casual with prisoners i felt both things at the same time with its ending right where i was like not only was that awesome but i have no idea why i'm somewhat unsatisfied in the last moments you know um and I don't know if it w- I think those last move moments are like insane and like some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen. But, um, you know, I'll just put it out there. <laughs> those last moments are like the like thrillers in the same way that horror movies can sometimes be unfulfilling when when they conclude. And I think this movie totally is is such a such a brilliant way to to make that um, to make that happen. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, one of the things that I'll say, um, in terms of just the, the general pace of this movie is one, I think it's very, I would say very breakneck, um, in terms of, of everything that it's, that's, you know, being revealed to you. Um, and then at the same time, it's very straightforward. And a lot of his movies since this actually have been pretty, either complex in terms of their construction or their, um, you know, characters, you know, a kind of an ensemble cast or something like that, you know, um, where it's not something that maybe you'll necessarily wrap your head around the first time. I think or even Arrival is something where you're like, you get it more on the second viewing mm. um, in, in a way. And this movie is very straightforward thriller um, in the way that like, a you know, a, th- a thriller novel might be, um, yeah. you know, it's very straightforward storytelling in that way. Um, and what I love about it is, you know, it's almost like an Agatha Christie novel in, in some ways, but just like a, a demented Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> um, but what I love about it is it's so he's, he pulls you in so well that he knows he can toy with you. Um, you know, he knows that he can, he can, um, set up these red herrings and you'll, um, you'll believe him. Uh, and even if he does it over and over again, (laughs) um, and it's, it's awesome. And watching it, this, I, I don't know, this might, I guess this must be my third time watching it. Um, even now I, I was, I was bought in to, to his loose threads. Um, I was bought into those moments where you think it's going to be something, but it, it, it ends up being something else. Um, you know, there, there are moments in this, in this movie, you, you've seen Gone Girl, right? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So, you know, that's another one that kind of does this, a similar thing. Although I would say this movie does it, does it basically, in almost every scene and to like the 10th degree, yeah. you know, it, it, it does it where, um, where you're, you're sitting back and saying like, 
wow, like they just revealed something so subtly, but so um, insanely well that I can't help but just like, like wonder where this is going to go next, you know? Yeah. And, and there's so many moments where you're like, oh, oh yeah, that's, wow, what a, what a, you know, what a reveal. Right. And it ends up being, you know, just another part of the maze, um, which is so, so beautifully, beautifully woven in. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the symbolism as well, I guess, before we get into some spoilers. Sure. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll make it clear when we're going to dive straight into spoilers because we have to. I I think we have to spoil this movie for you guys. So if if you are interested. I agree. And I, I would say this is a very important movie to watch before you hear the spoilers. Yes. Um, not that you won't have a good time with it because I think you will. But um, this is one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, don't. Don't read anything. Don't look at anything. Um, go into it basically almost blind. So you know we gave you forty minutes of content. You know, but we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, you know come back and after you watch it because it's 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 amazing what he does when you don't know the answer. Yeah, I I also um, I walked in blind, Cameron. I don't know how it's, this movie's been out for so long without good. me knowing absolutely nothing about it. So um, I was still drawn by that intrigue. But let's get into the symbolism just before we kick out the. Spoiler people. Yeah. So um, one of the fascinating things about this movie is it's very woven with um, sort of like deep symbolism in terms of both its characters. Um, you know, every character almost has a, a symbol that goes with them, um, which which I've, I've almost never seen in a movie before done quite like this. Um, you know, so so for for. Um, the the father um i forget i i kind of forget all these guys names um uh oh keller yeah that's his name um for keller you know he's he's symbolized by um he, you know he wears a cross um and he's often seen seen praying um for the detective loki um obviously his name is loki which you know it's kind of we could talk about that but yeah. you know anyway, anyway. um uh, Detective Loki, he, you know, he's symbolized by, he has a, he has a ring of the Freemasons and a tattoo, like a, you know, a star tattoo on his, um, on his neck. And, and, and so there's, there's many examples of this where people are kind of, um, people are, have this, like this symbolic energy about them, um, that I think is so much deeper and, and and the problem is like it's not a problem it's a great thing but um the 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 awesome thing about it is you can see it on up front you know you can see what the symbolism means in a lot of ways directly um but even as you dive deeper and deeper and deeper into it it reveals more about the character mm. and it reveals more about the sort of the way that these characters are written and um and and the the symbolism opens up a new level of of meaning to this movie where it already is meaningful on top of everything you know even just the pure straight story of a man doing all he can to to find his daughter um even just that is is a meaningful story in itself um but then on top of it you get everything interlaced with this this sort of deeper um you know, either Christian or philosophical symbolism that that is laid on top of it, that I think is is um, expertly done, expertly done. So, yeah, I, I didn't really pick up on a lot of 
the symbolic meaning, but I noticed that there was obviously an attention to certain Christian moral elements. I, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent clear on it. Um, it's weird. Like there was like some mythological side of this movie. That's difficult to, yes, to, yes, definitely. to quite, you know, quantify in some sort of way. Like for me, it was like, it kept having me guess that there was something magical about to happen, you know, even in the, <laughs> even in the way that they're like, a, a, as elements of the mystery began to come forward, you know, we talked about snakes in this movie, right? There's, there's something that just feels almost like, like a Greek myth or some, you know, chamber of secrets from Harry Potter, something that was like hidden amongst this crime drama. Um, and maybe that was like my imagination taking off, but I think that's a huge testament to, I don't think so to the film's, um, symbolism. I just think in, in its, in its conclusion, it remains grounded and the symbolic elements are meant for a second watch or some level of analysis. Whereas I was almost looking for some physical, um, like affirmation that what I was picking up was going to come forward in some sort of like crazy, a horror movie ending or something like that. Like almost similar to the ending of us or something where it was like this, this like something just out of left field that would like notch it up even further. So I'm very glad that it didn't do that, but you know, (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. I just, like as the final mysteries are are beginning to show your mind really starts to race on what is about to be seen do you know what you know what i'm saying yeah um, yeah, so I, yeah I, do. I do and so like it's interesting how grounded the reveals actually end up being when there are so many like almost i guess like kind of this feeling of like like Stranger Things esque. I I don't know. I don't know how to really really explain it. But there's like, I, I think I think you hit it right on the head. It's mythological. Yeah. There's something about this that that g- hits at, and I, I would say it's it's you know there there are things that hits on like an archetypal type of of st- storytelling. Um, you know that's very based in, um, in like finding meaning out of the out of base elements essentially um you know i think uh, w- with with that you know trees are deep um are an extreme symbol in this movie that i i don't i don't know if you picked up on uh viewing it for the first time but he spends a lot of time focusing on trees yes. <laughs> in this movie um and and the trees are a symbol in it are are very deep um uh, historical symbol in not just, um, you know, in basically every mythology, uh, you know, trees symbolize both life and, um, you know, sort of the deepness of, uh, of r- roots, the sort of expansion to- towards the sky, towards heaven. Um, they, you know, they symbolize a certain amount of, um, of, you know, renewal and death, um, you know, this, the cycle of the trees, um, the inside of that map or the, the comp or the, 
uh, maze is basically like the you know the inside of a of a tree the mm. the sort of the rings inside of a tree there's so there's so much like deep symbolic i i don't I, like i it's not it's not trying to i don't want to say it's like trying to mean anything necessarily but it's it's picking up on things that are deep inside of these sort of mythological stories um, yeah. and laying it on top of a a, a very um natural framework a very realistic framework i mean sim- well, sort of sim- a sort of realistic framework. yeah like similar to sort of what you're talking about with like what some of the creators of like apocalypse now are talking about i don't know how intentionally thought out some of these things are just as a casual because it seems very heady almost like a stretch to me and i know that a lot of film people are like no, of course, like, but I, I, I almost feel like my appreciation for the symbolism is more in the active placement of something to be analyzed, whether or not it's fully fledged yeah, yeah. out, right? Um, and that like speaks to it coming all together to like you noticing um, Jake Gyllenhaal having like tattoos on his finger, and you're like, that's kind of odd. Like, I'm not entirely sure why. Like, he has these weird symbols on his on his body right and um he carries like there's there's this presence about his character in the movie that is um mysterious but also like very stoic and i don't know like he's very he's interesting is like all of the characters have um interesting elements to them but yeah i uh well we should talk about that too we should talk about uh um characters as well so um, sure. Do you want to go into that before spoilers or after? I think we're really teetering. I, I mean, like that, teetering. That, that's I that's how I'm like <laughs> I I I feel guilty. So I'm I'm gonna say like if this movie sounds like something you want to explore, it's a hundred percent for you. I I, 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 I it, it's a mystery. It's it's deep. You know, deeper than most things. It's kind of action packed and and like a thrill ride all the way through. Um, not kind of, it's a, it's, it is actually action packed and a thrill ride all the way through. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's dark, but, um, kind of hopeful in its, uh, some of it. Yeah. Ideas, I I, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know. Like this is, this is my biggest fear with recommending this film is actually it's, it's content. And it's like, I mean, you know, you're listening to this, you're an adult, right? It's a very dark film i'm I'm yes, just gonna yes. like it is a very serious dark mature movie and if you are able to stomach that you're gonna be in for something special and that's why it's like for me yeah. it's like i want to i want to give it a rating of for everyone with that little asterisk where it's like you need to understand yeah, that this movie was almost rated nc-17 and it's not you're totally right like it's not even that there's like absolute grotesque it's not graphic yeah like yeah. there's no beheadings or anything like that right no, um no. it's almost the implication of violence or the bits of violence that they do show is just so like moving and it's it's hard well affecting. yes affecting. Yeah. yeah it's so hard to like kind of stomach it at moments but it is it is um i wouldn't say that it is like it's not the kind of like graphic um brutality that I, I always reference like um 
what's that movie? Uh, Eraser had like really disturbed me. I don't think that this movie is <laughs> not very graphic. <laughs> I, I I know, but like for me, like that movie Which, was. Oh right, yeah. Is, You're saying similar to this, right? Right, right. Like it, to me, that movie's sim like the symbol of what it was representing was so disgusting that I like was sick to my stomach watching the movie. Right. I will say that to me, like prisoners is n for some reason, it did not make me sick to my stomach. It was more like there is this moral weight with the violence in, in the movie. Right. Yeah, there's a seriousness yeah. about it. Um, Very, yeah. And so this is not a happy Friday movie to sit back and watch. Right. <laughs> Um, no. but I, I will say that like, if you're ready for something like this, which, you know, we're, I, I guess still amongst a pandemic, right. Maybe you're not ready for something like it, but if you are willing to dive into it, I think like it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I really, I really, I want to dive a little bit deeper into it. Cameron, any thoughts on the rating? I agree with you 100%. Um, I would also say it's like a thrill ride all the way through. So like, don't don't think of this movie as like, it's it's going to be a chore to watch. Yeah, The Road. I don't think it is. What is it? <laughs> I um, haven't seen The Road. Yeah, but... yeah. So, you know, it's not, it's not like dark and depressing uh, and like a slog, you know, yeah, which, true. you know, can be, can be tough. Um, this is like depressing and like, uh, it's like monstrous in ways. But it is it's it's a thrill ride and it makes you feel it. You know, you're you like you said, you're you're on the edge of your seat. You can't breathe that moment. Yes, you know, it's, I, I it's, like it's awesome. I, this is what I'll say, like for eraser heads. The way that that movie like was disturbing, pushed me away from the film. Like I felt like disengaged mm -hmm. with it, whereas this right, movie right. engages you in the moments of of disturbance where it's like it pulls you in more. And so like that, yeah. that alone is like, wow, like it just, um, there were so, there were so many moments in, in watching this film where I was like, almost like a ho ho, like chuckle, like that, that verbal sound, right. Where I'm like, I just, I can't even, I don't even know, like I need to see like what happens in this next scene. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, you know, actually like, I know this is strange, but it reminds me a little bit of the first time I watched The Dark Knight a little bit. I don't know. I'm not entirely mm, sure why, but there's something about like the Joker's character and the mystery in that movie where it makes you kind of say like, like that ho ho with like the interrogations and whatnot. And this movie has like moments where like there's that interrogation and like, I don't know. There's something about it where you're like, I just, I need to see the next scene. You know, I need to know how this concludes. So you've been fully yeah. warned. Spoilers. You've had, uh, you know, like go, go see this movie. If it's what you want or just spoil it and g visit it. But, um, let's dive into the characters, Cameron, and we can kind of loop back to the conclusion of the film and it's, it's, uh, it's moments. Yeah. So the two main sort of, I would say foils of each other, two main characters are, um, Keller, as we mentioned, and, uh, detective Loki, um, both after the same thing, but doing radically different things to get there. Um, I think they're, I think they're such well-written characters, first of all, um, as I mean, so, so Keller, you know, he makes you really feel 
in that way that that almost only movies can do you know um he makes you feel the the moral question um the moral uh you know the turbulence of of seeing someone be in a situation where um maybe they are pushed to the brink of what they might do um and you know you you find out um obviously certain things along the way but but what i what i found so so fascinating watching it this time was seeing how um i've always thought that character progression of him becoming sort of starting as the strong um effective um you know father and and almost not even just strong but also um a very loving father um in the in the opening scenes um you know he's seen as as a not just a loving father but a loving husband and and kind of in this um realm of you know being being almost just a good dad um and he's he's faced with this challenge of what does it mean now that my daughter is has been taken from me what is being a, a good dad mean to me now um and how am i able to um to make this right something that's basically you know not in my in my control anymore um how am i able to to fix this and he's and he's pushed basically to the brink of of um what what you might do and obviously his his actions are are deeply condemned by the movie and i think even by himself at at you know at, at a certain point um but he's a character that i found even more complex and more interesting watching it this time around um cuz i always thought his turn from being the you know the good father to the you know torturous um the almost like uh, like animal um that he he turns midway through the movie um i found that uh you know in the first couple of watches um it's almost just a fall from grace in in some ways but looking at it now i don't know that it is necessarily a fall from grace it it, it sort of is um you know he's and he's he's fallen in a pit uh, by the end but um but it's also um I I think it's also a talk about sort of the like moral justification in a lot of ways, um, and what you might do um, when you're when you're put in that position. I I I kind of thought that this watching it this time, I don't know if it's um, all that judgmental of him necessarily. I think it's it's putting you in the position. Yeah. Um, it's putting the audience in that in that role and saying like, well, yeah, what, like what, what would you do? Um, how would you make it right? Um, the supporting parents and their reaction to, um, Keller's actions, I think really notch up that commentary, um, in the movie. I think it's super grounded and like much more compelling the the, the parents of the other girl who goes missing, right? Like, um, they have like this kind of like moral conflict that is in the gray as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. They're like, like I, I loved the fact that like the wife is introduced to what Keller's doing, right? 
and she is actually almost more for it than the husband in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's like such a great twist that you wouldn't really expect, but it's almost like there's this conversation around morality and the personality type that's like, I'll do whatever it takes um, versus I think like what is a great like reflection to Keller's character with detective Loki, right. Kind of being restricted by the bureaucracy and not being able to do whatever it takes at all time. As a matter of fact, kind of like being limited by rules and regulations, what and whatnot through the movie, but who is, who is just as determined. Right. As well. Same, same determination, and- but more like, um, rules if I, if i'm being like a gen, yeah. general like yes. moral yes, rules yes, yes. that he won't he won't break right um and <laughs> like batman <laughs> yeah i mean that i mean maybe that's why there's like a little bit of a, a connection i'm not entirely sure why i thought of that movie you know i um i think what is like i found loki's character the most exciting to witness um, because yeah. of how calm and collected he is amongst some of the most stressful, intense. Most of the time. <laughs> like what? Most of the time. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Like the most, the, like one of the most intense cases I think you can be tasked with, right? And to see a moment where he is emotional, like it's just so compelling as an audience yeah. member um, up yeah. until his final moments of success in the case and saving um the, the the little girl at the end right like not well not just saving the little girl as well saving keller as well um well does he save keller i didn't i didn't get that well okay so um full full ending spoilers yeah. so he he goes to and this is this again speaks to sort of his his just blanket determination you know he goes and it you know at the end of the night when everybody is is done excavating basically um and he's there and he's he's think he's just thinking he's just examining and he knows that there's something left there's something on the table um and and you know he he gets that moment where he hears the whistle and he's like eh, whatever and then he hears the whistle again and he's like what is that and then he's about to walk away. He's about to 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 miss it. And and then the third time he he actually hears the whistle, and that the whistle is is Keller in right. the pit. Um, and so you know the even even at the very last moments, um, it and and to to Keller's credit and his character too, just as persistent. You know, it's a meeting of that of the the persistence. Um, for both of those characters, you know, and she says like, uh, you know, if you make a tourniquet, you'll probably last 24 hours. Well, it's probably been more than that. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's probably been more than a day, maybe, you know, a day and a half or a day and a quarter or whatever. Um, you know, like the, he's he's at the end. He's at the very end. And bo- so is so is uh, Detective Loki. Both of them are at the very, very end of um, of the road. And almost about to give up, and that's kind of when they they have that you know the final the final meeting of of the the whistle. I guess um, what I was chewing on in the last moments, besides the whistle, because it does leave it a little bit open ended. If he does or does not find him, 
I think you can kind of decide even if it is leaning towards Loki picking up the last moments. Um, like I, as a viewer, I was just so desperate to see him finish it and he doesn't finish the case. Right. Um, and it's so intentional to make you have that, like that pull in, in the last moments. Um, what I was actually kind of dissecting or, or chewing on was like, kind of like we were talking about sort of the moral implication of like a character who will do whatever it takes with determination versus one bound by like rules. Right. Um, and where they end up in the final moments mm-hmm. of that. Right. True. Um, the character that does whatever it takes ends up shot and in a ditch underground. And the other one is in the deepest hell basically. Right. And the yeah. other one is like considered a hero amongst the people he rescued. Right. Yeah. And like, sort of like the, the split in um, the result versus the same goal and almost genuinely like the same level of determination. The only factor is that like one is completely emotional and will like with Keller, like he is, he's kind of unhinged pretty early on in the film. I found, I found Keller, I found Keller to be sort of obnoxious because of his level of emotion like I just I didn't like him very much. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, like, and it's understand yeah. it's understandable, but there was something more like, um, there was just something more awesome about Detective Loki. You're just so like, there's so many moments like from the moment where like he goes into the house with the snakes and he's like talking to that guy at his door and he like pins him on the ground. Like, I felt like I was like punching the air. I was like, yeah, get him. You know, like you're just like, you're, you're totally all about like his presence as this uh, determined detective versus Keller's like painful to watch. You know, you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's just insane. You know, like he's, he's like torturing this, this poor, uh, this poor dude that you're not quite sure if he did it or not. But like, for me, I was kind I kind of picked up early on that I was like, I, don't think he's the guy i and i just i feel but he sort of he sort of is the guy though i mean he's he he's he's kind of right he's only he's only mildly right but right um he he, he knows he knows there's something um you know involved yeah but i'm not saying that you know he's <laughs> he should have done what he what he did but um yeah you know he he picks up on something and he can't let it go right yeah. you know and 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 i i kind of get what you're saying although i i disagree in that like keller um his character is very um it's clear where he's positioned in that he is someone who has done so much to you know protect his family or to to you know put up the wall and and sort of um, you know, he, there's that moment in the basement um, where he's got like he's got all of his prep food and he's and he's got his, you know, his guns and whatnot. And there's and there's this element of of him being like the ultimate protector, the ultimate defense, um, except for the fact that he, you know, he lets this happen. And that's kind of what breaks him to to the end. Um, and and even, you know. I, he is he is very emotional um, throughout the movie, and and I think it's obvious why. You know, yeah, like it's, yeah. his daughter, his daughter's gone, and and you know he spent his whole life trying to to be someone who would never who would, that would never happen to. Right, um, right. You know, and so so there it is. It is in my mind. Um, I think his character is 
um, is very um, well established early on in terms of of how he's you know that first scene with with the the sun and the um, you know the deer and great and scene being yeah yeah um, you know be, being you know and then the the drive back home and they're they're kind of talking about and he he gives a little bit of his you know his life philosophy in some ways right you know? so right. Th- there's moments at early, very early on that key you into being like yeah this guy is trying to be the best that he can be to a point where he he. You know, he has this goal of keeping his family safe to a point where he will do literally anything to to get to that goal. Yeah. Um, and it's so I think it's really, really well done um, in in that direction. Mm. Um, and even even those moments where, you know, you see him sort of f- fall back and not, you know, not be sure if he can do it. Um, you know, if he can torture Alex, which I love his name is Alex Jones. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, that's not... right. That's right. Yeah. I remember I was like, what did they just say? What? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's got this, you know, uh, um, so, you know, he, you know, there are moments where he, he's, he's kind of not sure that he can, he can do it. And, mm. and you know, he has this dialogue with, um, with the other guy where he's, you know, he points, he points to the picture and he's like, this is to remind us basically of right, why we're doing right. this. Um, so I think, I think he's, he's very, very well done in that way and it, intensely done. Like, so, um, Hugh, Hugh Jackman plays it like amazing. Oh no, so. I, I think this is one of the roles that I've seen Hugh Jackman in that I'm like, I'm fully convinced of his performance and I, yeah. and he's very separated from the archetype that his actor presence usually carries um with Mm. the wolverine character even in um the prestige he carries sort of this like charismatic cockiness in that movie um that i I, like it kind of pairs with his actor's likeness i guess or like his likeness you Mm. know overall um this movie is like so so different for him and um or at least maybe for the movies that i've seen him in and i had no doubts that he would be that he's an excellent actor so i it was great to see him in a role like this i just found myself i don't know like i found myself really drawn by jake gyllenhaal's performance honestly the best movie i've ever seen him act in um maybe next to nightcrawler uh which yeah that that one's up there too for me nightcrawler like he's so sleazy and you're just like you know like i don't know if i'm like jake gyllenhaal is my favorite actor you know i wouldn't say that after (laughs) watching that but like after seeing this i was like dang dude like he's it's cool to see him in a role that's not like this weird kind of i mean he carries a weirdness about him but it's seen in such a um heroic manner i i think the Mm -hmm. comparison to batman is actually like it's strangely strangely works somehow for this yeah i don't i don't disagree i i it's funny because you know um uh in a straight comparison you know hugh jackman is harvey dent and jake gyllenhaal is is batman in some ways you know (laughs) in that movie um which i you know i uh it's not it's not necessarily one for one but it it kind of is you know he's Mm. hugh jackman is the is the one who's who's you know willing to to bend the rules and willing to to sort of do what it takes and yeah um well let's let's talk about sort of the maybe three 
red herrings. There, uh, there might be more, maybe four red, a couple red herrings along the way. Um, cause I think those are really important moments, um, in the film. Um, you know, so first you, you get this Alex character who's very, um, uh, he, you know, he's portrayed as, as someone who, has, you know, they say he's, he's got the mental ability of, of a 10 year old. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of this, this guy who's, who's very, you're not sure about him from the get go. Um, and to the movie's credit as well. Um, he does say what Hugh Jackman hears him say. Right. Um, you know, it's not like, it's not like it's, it's like he, him hearing something or it not actually being there. It's, uh, he says it, he says it full well. Um, he says, uh, uh, what is it? Um, they were smiling when I left uh, them or something like that. Right. Or they, they, they didn't cry until I left them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which which is, I mean, that's that's just that's creepy and disturbing. Yeah, what um, a, it's it's definitely terrifying. Yeah. Um. So you know, for for Hugh Jackman to kind of go off the wall from there, um, I kind of don't. I I see where he's coming from in terms of of if you know if he thinks that it's it's actually Alex, um, and then we get to um. Well, any uh, yeah. Do you want to say anything about Alex as a character? Um, kind of as as sort of the you know the the bigger red herring in the in the uh, throughout the movie. I think his earliest moments portray sort of a a mystery about what's going on in his head because his actions mm-hmm. are so strange while they are mixed with this glazed over kind of look, right? Um. As he's introduced in the car, he has that glazed look, and then he does something very extreme by crashing the van into the forest um, to then being very scared when he's grabbed into custody to the the creepy moment uh, outside of, of the, um, the police station with Hugh Jackman, right? Like, he's always sort of this possible... Um, like peace on the chessboard like you're kind of like yeah like he's i you never quite know you know like you never quite know if he's completely attached to it um and so like as his as his um as he's like defined at the end uh, towards the end of the movie right like as you figure out who he is finding out that he was the missing boy from the start right isn't that isn't that what it was yes um Well, he was the missing boy that um, Jake Gyllenhaal goes to interview his mom right, at one right, point. Right, right, right. Um, and there's that. There's a very good scene where where she, you know, she has this moment where it's like it's you know, he's just gone. You know, one day he was here and now he's not. He, he, yeah. he didn't get taken. He didn't get anything. He just is gone. I'm a yeah. little confused about why he survived and the other kids didn't. You know? Oh, okay. All right. We could go into that. So, um, the, uh, the point of the mazes, um, is, you know, there's that book that says, um, finish all the mazes and you can go free. Um, and so he, 
apparently finished all the mazes, um, you know, and and so did the other, the next character that we're going to talk about, mm. who you know basically is obsessed with with mazes, right? And my my, my um, interpretation of sort of that whole situation is, I think the obviously it's a cocktail of like LSD or you know whatever else. Um, I think that there's there's something going on with um you know these kids get taken and they're sort of like put through this mental trial that like breaks them to a point basically yeah um you know and and so alex he 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 essentially is you know stuck suspended in the state of um you know of a pure childhood you know he's his mental development has stopped at 10 years old probably when he was taken um and then the uh, the other character, um, the other red herring, is obsessed with these mazes, obsessed with, um, the, you know, with his own abduction um, and, you know, tries to perfectly recreate um, those things. You know, he's he buries dummies in his in his backyard and, um, you know, and he has uh, children's clothes that he covers in pig's blood and stuff, you know, so he's like obsessed with the um with his his own mental state. So I, I think I think the implication is that it's something, you know, these mazes or whatever they are on drugs, um, for you know, as a kid, you know, there's it's something where where, you know, you're you're taken through such a mental stress that it you know, it breaks you in the end. Um then there's there's no way to get out really. Um and, you know, there's there's a timing. And obviously she's injecting them with snake venom as well. So, you know, that's <laughs> right. That's good, so I didn't but. quite pick up on that because for me it was like I I didn't understand why Alex Jones was alive. And I also thought that the other character, like the red herring, the guy with the the creepy clothes and everything, I thought that he was like he was like on to it. Like he was like trying to solve a riddle that nobody else could or something like that. Um, well, the, he, he, they said that he was abducted when he was a kid. Um, right. So he was almost well. like laying clues for them to find, but like he, he's too messed up to be able to like explain it. Or so. It's like for, there were, there were some moments towards the end of the movie where I was very, very confused and I had to go back and rewind <laughs> it. Actually. Um, there's a moment where, Jake Gyllenhaal pulls up to the old beat up apartment where Alex is being held in the, in the thing. And it cuts to black with Hugh Jackman showing up at the grandma's house. And I was like, what just happened? Like I was genuinely confused. Cause I was like, what? Like I, 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 I thought that I missed a scene. Like I hit the trigger on the controller and it skipped a moment. Um, it was really, well, it, that, remember, so that's an inner cut. Uh, obviously, but um, it's it's between this before that scene before when when Jake Gyllenhaal goes to you know the the um you know the old house, um he runs out of the hospital after the the young the other girl um who gets freed or runs away I guess um says that he was there, right? So that in. In both of their minds, they they come to two different conclusions, right? Jake Gyllenhaal comes to the conclusion that he's got something holed up in the old house, and and it was him the whole time, you know, all along, right? Which is a great, uh, that's a great moment of of revelation. You know, you see Jake Gyllenhaal, 
he run, you know, he's running after them and then he's like, I know where you're going. And it's, you know, it's the old house. And then it cuts and he didn't go there. Hugh Jackman didn't go there, obviously, because, you know, that's not where they are. Right. Um, he realized that he what cheats the last place that he was where he would have been during the um you know when when she when she got out would have been that you know that that old grandma's house right so, so he put it together yeah i i got that like i get okay hugh jackman is one step ahead of of detective loki right but i was i don't know like for some reason that that quick cut like i was confused because i was like oh hugh jackman uh Sorry, Keller. Keller's driving off to like to go, you know, because like the little girl, like I don't know, like it, it was like confusing in that moment. And there was a couple moments mm. like that where like it kind of fades to black or it like hard cuts. And I had I found myself a little lost as an audience member. I don't know why. I just wanted to bring that up because I was like, I feel like some of the reveals, like I didn't piece together the maze thing. Um, I'm not sure how I missed it. As a matter of fact, I, I thought what was happening was that the character that was stealing the little girls, like, or the little, the, the girl, the clothing, the clothing with the pig's blood, that character, right? When you first see him at like the little vigil thing, like you're like, okay, he, he has a connection. And then you find out that he's like kind of reenacting or replaying or laying the foundations of the crime that's taking place somewhere else. Right. Um, I thought that he was trying to like tell detective Loki about some kind of maze that exists. Right. Like then, like this is where like my imagination started like going off in a direction that uh, the movie wasn't going, but I was just like, are they going to find a maze underneath that house? You know, like where, like where's the maze, you know, like I was just hooked on like the pan's labyrinth sort of like symbolism, right. With the snakes are there. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like what's, like what? What do we? I mean, his name is Detective Loki, right? His name is Detective Loki. There's there's labyrinths, there's snakes. Like something is up here, right? And then it, it's so grounded in its its ending that I was like, maybe I think I missed something. That's basically how I felt, and I did. So I I don't know if that's like a mark against the film, but I still in, enjoyed a lot of it. I don't like I just yeah. Well, by the end, there's so many different things happening at the same time. Um, so it's a little it it I can understand why it's why it might be tough. The one thing, and they're very he's very um. I like it. I think this yeah. is a good way to do this. But he's very um, scant with with explaining things, um, and he really does most of it visually. Yeah. So it is kind of that 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 thing where like if you miss one detail, there's other things that you might miss along the way. Um, you know. So so the um, the detail with the with the mazes that's in the flashback revelation of the the kid um you know the second the second girl who who you know uh, appears again um and it's you know you see the bottle um that Hugh Jackman has to drink eventually yes uh, yeah. you see the uh the maze book that says finish all the mazes and you can go free so it is a very you know it's a very quick reveal in that way um but then it it fits together with what you heard from the other character the the vigil character 
um, who, you know, they found this book in the attic about, you know, about mazes and, you know, and he's got all these mazes all around. And basically it says, you know, like this last maze, he can't, there's no way to, to solve or whatever, you know? So, um, anyway, so it's just, it's kind um, of interesting because I, I thought, I don't know why I, I, the, the detail with the drunken priest and the guy that he kills, which is also a great little side moment, right? Oh, amazing. Scene. Um, it was just kind of scary actually. Yes. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. That, um, that scene was terrifying. Like, I don't, <laughs> it, I don't know what it was, but like, it also just goes to show well, the fact that he's scared. Too, yes. Yes. One of those. <laughs> like the, but it also shows like how brave like Detective Loki is in that. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing jumping down in that pit? I'm like, I was I just know. imagining know, like no backup. The door's gonna <laughs> shut behind you, you know. Um, for some reason, I thought that the guy like I noticed he had the maze like pendulum or like like pendant thing on him, right? And I was like, I don't know if this was ever said, but I was like, if that's like the child, the man child killer, right? The 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 partner in this, right? Um, which I, for some reason I had linked early on that he was connected to however these kids were disappearing. I thought mm. that Alex was his son and continuing his work or something like that. That was like my early guess for it. Mm. Um, but for some reason I thought that maze, like little pendulant thing was going to come into play for escaping the hole that Hugh Jackman was in, or it was just some underground maze. Like that was like the map that was important because you keep seeing that symbol and I was just I was just completely lost. And I think this is what sort of leads me to like one of my only critiques with uh, Velenu films that I notice is that like you're 100 percent right They're The movies are very quick, despite maybe I mean, like, I, I feel like I would know some people that would watch Dune and be like, oh, it's kind of slow because they're staring. But it's like you're mi- you're already behind. You know, like if you're yeah, not, yeah, if you're yeah. not, oh, like if you're not like taking it in aggressively, you've already lost understanding it, right? Yeah, um, that's that's very true. And yeah. so with this movie, I found a fire hose of information. Exactly, like it, it is kind of the same way where I missed a couple things, and I even tried to rewind to take them in, but it wasn't enough, you know. And so I, I mean, that's just that's on me, but that's like one of my only it's like almost a compliment and a critique where it's like, there's yeah, so yeah. much going on, but it's also still difficult to, f- to follow. Um, f- f- like for me as a casual overall, but Cameron, I want to get through, um, kind of some thoughts. I actually have to run to dinner here in a little bit. So I want to wrap it up. Um, yeah. I know we've been going for like an hour and a half, but, um, Sorry to sorry to cut it off, Tim Smith. I know he's going to be punching me. He's like, "Oh, go for three hours." Sorry, Tim. I have I have some things to do. But you're, <laughs> what do you t- you're talking about the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> some some other red herrings that we talked about. The priest was that one of them, or yeah. So the the priest is an interesting one because it's kind of revealed and then unrevealed um, pretty quickly. Um, I, I, but I love that sequence where you know he he jumps down and then there's that there's, it's almost a jump cut where you know he he puts the 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 priest on the uh you know on the basement floor basically yes, yeah. um and he's like he's like who's that dead man in the <laughs> in the basement right um yeah it's it's pretty awesome um uh so he he is one of the red herrings um I would say even um uh. Even Keller at one point yes. is a red herring. Yes. Which is great. It's so awesome because you're like, wait, 
is am I totally missing this perspective of is he really the 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 killer? That was Which such a been conf- terrible. That would have been dumb. Yes, but, that was such a confusion. Um, <laughs> I was like, "There's no way." And if they do that, that's so stupid and predictable. Yeah. You know, like yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah. Well, what, one of the things that I thought was interesting, other than so my one critique of this movie, um, is that the 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 police chief says the word province. Um, and he's supposed to be in Pennsylvania. It's a state, okay? <laughs> you Quebecois. <laughs> wow, um, great complaint, Cameron. I know, I know. Um, anyways, um, but uh, one of uh, I kind of derailed myself. I guess I don't. I don't really remember. Well, what some I was of the um, you know some of the closing motivations of what I don't know what her name is, but the old grandma auntie lady that loves killing children, right? Like there, there's so much. Um, there's like a lot of deep religious critique or something like, like I found it really interesting being like, cause you know, Cameron and I both come from Christian faith. Right. And I go to, I worked for a church at one point. Right. And I still go to church. Right. And I found like the motivation to almost be a completely separate conversation and something that is clearly dramatized, but like this idea of like being burned by the church and almost overreact like almost like like counter responding in such a, an aggressive way i was like this is such a deep motivation that can be dissected in in a small way well, but it's obviously taken to the extreme in this movie and it's, right it's great because she says um i think the the line about she's waging a war against god yeah, i think what that's a, a little yeah. a little um cheesy but it it works because it's set up earlier with the priest you know yeah um Anyways, um, but I really like the, um, the conversation that she has afterwards about how, um, what's the best way to, you know, to dissuade people from their faith, um, you know, basically having the worst traumatic thing happen to them, which is losing a, losing a child essentially. Um, and so she's playing this game of, of trying to get people to, um, you know, they're trying to get more people, creating more monsters, essentially, is what she says. It's interesting, um, yeah, because Keller's character is constantly praying through the film. It's very unsettling when he's doing such terrible things. And you kind of to go along like the mythological symbolism, right? Like he almost has like this crusader presence, right? Where his horrible yeah, actions yeah. are driven with some strange, like, you know like heavenly forgiveness or like, Oh, this is like my duty, you know, like, it's like, uh, what I would, I would say, um, his prayers, um, you know, it's interesting because they could have done, done the route of like, this is, I'm, you know, righteously doing that. Right. I don't think that's really what he, what it was. It's guilt. There's guilt. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's a deep amount of guilt. Um, and I think throughout this movie, it's, I think it's pretty clear that it's a, um, it's a coming from the, at the very least, um, the pro good side, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like obviously the, you know, the, the child abductors are considered to be like, a, like devilish, you know, they're, right. they're the representation of, of evil. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's necessarily an endorsement of 
religion essentially yeah but I, I i think it might i think it might be i think you could read it read it as that i um, i i mean i think what you're ta- what you're hitting on with like keller's character is that there are a lot of characters that face damnation and guilt in that but they're still walking out like you know like just like a very strong character that's like this is my last stand i'm thinking like western characters you know you think about like clint eastwood in unforgiven right where there's something kind of intriguing and exciting about his like sins coming forward right you're like oh yeah you know shoot up these characters with keller you're never you know rooting for him in some ways there's one mo there's a moment where it's like all the evil that he's done has paid off when she pulls the gun out, right? Like yeah, he's yeah. there first. He he basically solved the case first, but it still put him in a it ditch. It didn't help, you know. Like yeah. it was like it, it put was him like, in the deepest hell. Right, yeah. right. Like it, he still suffered a level of damnation, and he still wins taking that gunshot. Like he's standing firm, being like, "I chose what I chose. Like I'm still mm-hmm. here first. You know, but it's like for what? You know, you're not the one that yeah, saved your yeah, daughter, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Um, so th- I think that's like a really interesting. Um, there's just so much, so much to chew on. W- again, like this director is clearly prolific, or like prolific, and he's just like, I, I still can't get over the fact that I keep want to watch, I keep wanting to watch Dune. Like, it's like hit that mm. that sci-fi like adventurous thing that he i don't know like i i can see all of his work and the things that i like about Villeneuve's work and my excitement to talk about dune and sort of like to kind of conclude our conversation with this film is that like it's in a theme and a setting and like a nerdiness that like i'm already pre-drawn to i'm not super drawn to like thrilling crime dramas it's just like that's a preference thing i absolutely enjoy this film to see Villeneuve tackle like the sci-fi epic and bring all of his skill and excellence to that, I'm just like, man, if if I was into like crime thrillers, I'd be watching Prisoners over and over again. He's yeah. just doing that for a different genre that I'm just like, let's right. go. You know, like I'm so about this. So I'm excited to see what other genres he touches and and the movies he makes going forward. Um, we got to wrap up this episode, Cameron, because I have to go. But closing thoughts, anything about this? Yeah, well, I mean, just about Villeneuve, I think he you hit it on the head. He's he's doing this for, um, you know, big blockbuster epics. I almost want him to do like another smaller action movie again. Um, mm. I think that would be awesome. Um, you know, of course, it's hard to go back once you've done something this, you know, on that scale. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't know I, this. Sorry, I mean, I like I would be great to see him do another like thriller sort of like this crime drama. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of the movie, the inside man, which is like a movie with Denzel Washington. Let's see Villeneuve's bank heist. That'd be great. Mm, I think that'd mm, be a great, that would be cool. Movie. Yeah. That, yeah, totally. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I just want him to keep doing what he's doing. Cause I think, I think he's been hitting it out of the park. Um, there hasn't been a movie from him that I've disliked, uh, that I've seen and I'm only missing a handful. So, um, you know, I, I think he's, he's really one of the most 
prolific and best directors working right now. And I only included him in this month because um, I wanted to talk about him. I know he's not super young. He's like 54. And I know he <laughs> got started in, in the 2000s, not the the 2010s. So, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, who cares? Um, I'm but just hey. putting him in here because he he made his he made his name and he made his best movies in the 2010s. And I don't think there's any dispute on that. Like he, he basically be- came from being some nobody, you know, French Canadian filmmaker to, um, the biggest, one of the biggest directors on the planet. So, in you know, five years or less. Yeah. And he also like, you know, you said five movies in five years. Like I think going from the 2010s, even into the 2020s, he's got more up his sleeve to give. Totally. Right. And so like, I think he does fit in maybe, maybe this, 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 um, this month's theme is more about like modern directors and where are the other ones, you know, like that's kind of like the yeah, big question yeah. that you opened it with. So it's, it is cool to give him a little bit of a platform with our, our conversation and, and talking about like the way he's done it. Cameron, it's time to wrap it up because I'm going to have my head bitten off because we're going to be late to a dinner. Um, <laughs> any, any um, Cameron, any closing thoughts? Thank you guys for listening. Anything else? I don't know. No, I love this movie. It's perfect. I uh, yeah, can't say enough good things about it. Um, but yeah, be forewarned. It's it's dark. It's a it's a, it's it can be a tough movie to watch, but yes. I think it's it's really really worth it. Um, um, yeah, I I highly, I highly recommend. Yeah, I really loved it too. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, watch it. Watch it if you're ready for something like this. It's definitely a thrill ride. We post every Monday. Thank you guys for the support. Even thank you for getting to the end of this episode. Cameron, next week, what are we watching? We are watching... Um, oh, man, I forgot. Uh, but I'll <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay, <laughs> I will know. Whatever. We'll, man, we'll probably won't post about it. So we'll see you next Monday. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on patreon.com shout out to our producers darren o'neill and tim smith for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions if you want to learn more about the benefits you can get check out our patreon the show cannot happen without you great listeners so we thank you for all your kindness and support Mm -hmm.